something, and I was pondering it as I was sitting there. We're going to be talking about Jesus today. And we're going to be talking about Jesus' mission, right? Why, why, did he, why, did it, why did the Savior, why did Jesus come today? But as I was sitting there a couple of years ago, that young lady that's in the booth, I think she's in the booth, she's somewhere, her name is Grace. It's her birthday today. Say happy birthday, Grace. Grace's birthday today. But I was in, she, she's 20th, 20th, what? It's on the 20th? Okay, but we're celebrating it today. That's all right. That's how my father would do. My father, listen, exactly, don't cut me off, man. I love you, baby. I know we had an argument this morning, but Jesus, Jesus died for that. Yeah, because this is, this is that's what we're going to talk about today, that we're totally incapable so I want to tell the story that um, I was in South Carolina, right? And, 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 and my legs cramped up. We were, I was in a lake. I was in a lake and my legs cramped up and I almost died. I was drowning. I was drowning. I was drowning. I was surely, you, have you ever been in a situation where you're like, this is it. This is the last time I'm going to live. I'm like, oh my gosh. Jesus, I, actually, I forgive me for my sins. I was, you know, do it again because that was it. I was drowning. Grace came to my aid. You know, it's funny because um, this is when Serenity just got her car. And Serenity was like, Pedro, I love you. But, you know, I got a car. I can't jump in. And Grace, Grace dived in immediately and saved me. And, and I don't want to mention anybody. I want to tell my story. She did that, but I felt like, I felt helpless. But when she grabbed me, I felt like, oh, man, I'm going to live. I'm going to live. I got another opportunity. And I never felt so happy getting on top of that boat again. You know, it's funny, and I can laugh about it now, but it was serious. Just like today, this is serious. I want to, we were, we were saying some things, um, we were saying some slogans. I want to I wanna say some slogans. Over the past week, as I was um, looking at this sermon and just seeing how was I, how was I going to bring what, what, what Jesus said in Luke chapter 4, verse 13 to 22, there's some slogans and there's some things that some leaders and some movements have said that have stood the test of time and have, have begun. And I'm going to just say a couple of them, and we're going to do a little exercise before we begin. And this is great because there's a prize. Whoever gets all of these gets to buy lunch for everyone in just a couple of minutes. Okay? So bear with me. Right? It works if you work it. Where does that come from? And you guys don't have to shout it out. Anyway, shout it out. We're in recovery. How's it work? It works if you work it. Recovery, right? It comes from a 12-step fellowship, exactly, and that has stood the test of time. And tr trust me, how about this one? If you don't pick it up, you can't get it high, right? And that's worked for me. It stands the test of time as long as we follow that. How about this one? Who said this? Make America great again. You don't have to, well, but it, that, that, what I'm saying is, how about this one? Change we can believe in. Obama, yes, that's correct, Obama, good. So we have someone who's going to buy lunch for everyone. Awesome, awesome, awesome. Now, obviously, these, these slogans and these manifestos and these things, they're the, they're the things that in the beginning define someone's movement. How about this one? Let's, let's, real people with real problems serving a real God. There's movements, there's things that have stood the test of time. When you hear that, what do you think of? Who do you think of? 
You think of our hub, but who are, the, who are the founders of Recovery House of Worship? Pastor Raymond, one of them is right here. Unfortunately, one of them is not. He's, he's, he's preaching in Spanish. God bless him. <laughs> Pastor Edwin Colon. God bless him and God's statement. We pray with him and stuff like that. Because not only do they define what the leader of that movement stands for personally, but they're, they tell the agenda and the priority behind which what the rest of us are to unite and follow. If you ever wanted to know what Jesus stood for, if you ever wanted to know the agenda, the priorities in which he wants his church to, to unite, then our passage for you, I got this thing that's going off. Then this passage for you is, is going to be paramount. It's going to be very fundamental to what we want to do today. It comes right at the start of his, of his public ministry. In fact, it contains the first words that he, that he speaks as an adult here in Luke. It's a defining moment. It's a decisive moment. It's a bit like when a, when a leader calls a press conference. Remember that? Remember that? A couple of days, your boy, your boy King James. He did that thing, right? He was on Sports Center, and he said, he said, he said these things that changed the trajectory of the NBA today. Now they're forming teams and they're forming, you know, like these super teams because of that day. And he said it, right? And it was a sports center special. What did he say? He looked right in his eyes and he said, I'm going to take my talents to South Beach. Well, we're not talking about that today. We're talking about that, but that, that, that was just a small thing. Because here's Jesus in his own words going to record for the first time to set out his mission that comes directly from God the Father. I'm going to ask you to stand for the reading of God's word, and then we're going to get into this. I'm going to do things a little bit different. I'm, I'm not really, really a teacher type. I'm a preacher type. But this is so important today that we get this. It's so important that we, that, that we look at this verse and we, and, and we get what Jesus is saying here. So if we could put the verse up there, and um, if we can read it in unison. And I'm going to use that word a lot, unison. One two, three. Jesus returned to Galilee in the, in the power of the Spirit, and the news about him spread through the whole countryside. He was teaching in their synagogues, and everyone praised him. He went to Nazareth, where he had been brought up, and on the Sabbath day, he went into the synagogue, as was his custom. He stood up to read, and the scroll of the prophet of Isaiah was handed to him. Unrolling it, he found the place where it was written. The Spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom from the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind, to set the oppressed free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor, then he rolled up the scroll, gave it back to the attendant, and sat down. The eyes of everyone in the synagogue were fastened on him. He began by saying to them, Today this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. All spoke well of him and were amazed at the gracious words that came from his lips. Isn't this Joseph's son? they asked. This is the reading of God's word. 
Boom! I wish I had a microphone because all he had to do was drop it. Right there, and he just said, he said it, and he just sat down, and everyone just looked at him. He said, today, this scripture is fulfilled. Because they did that all the time. This wasn't the first time. It says he had a custom of going to the, um, to the synagogues to preach. So Jesus was going, Then this is not the first time he did that, but this is the first time he did. And notice how... If Luke strategically sandwiches it like that, that in the beginning, Jesus rolls the scroll, and then at a little bit, a couple of verses later, he rolls the scroll again and he gives it back to them. But in that, he wants us to look at in that sandwich when he says, the Lord, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me. All the Pharisees and all the, all the teachers in there started looking at him. Just like you guys have stopped and looked at me. But you don't have to look at me because I'm, I'm definitely not Jesus. But Jesus Christ, this is when he sets out his ministries. This is the beginning. This is the beginning. This is when he says, you know, he hasn't, he hasn't made a miracle yet. I mean, he hasn't healed anyone. He hasn't um, um, cast out a demon because that's what Jesus used to do. Don't get it twisted. Jesus used to heal people and cast out demons. Jesus still heals people and still casts out demons. Because God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. So he's fulfilling this prophecy that's said in Isaiah. Yeah, because I, 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 I haven't got sick. I haven't got sick, and I'm like, yo, I don't know. Maybe I'm, 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 when I get sick, I'm going to die. I don't know, but I haven't. I've been like, I'd be like, Lord, please just, just keep me healthy and stuff like that. And I'm not saying, my wife even told me today, you know, like this thing I have is probably spiritual. Yeah, this cough. You had a cough for about, she got a cough for about three months already. You know, and Jesus, Jesus would do that, but he didn't do that. He, he, was, he was telling them about the, the, the ministry that was going to happen, the ministry that was going to take place, the beginning of his ministry, and th those were the words that he said. So it's, we look at this verse that I'll be considering the part where it comes from Isaiah in the Old Testament. And said it in 1819, in, in, in verses 18 and 19, you can tell that this center, this is the center of the things by the clever way, like I just mentioned, that Luke structures it. Things so in, in, in a couple of verses before that, in 16 and 17, Jesus stands up and receives the scroll, like he receives it, right? And then he opens it and he starts reading this. This is a monumental, this is a monumental um, um, verse that he reads. This is where it starts, you know. And, and, and if we look in Isaiah in verses 20, he rolls it back and hands it back and then sits down. Oh, you'll notice that Jesus is very deliberate in what he says. He opened the scroll and found where it was written. He found, you know, like sometimes what we do, some people grab the Bible and open it and just go, boom, I'm going to read right there. No, he strategically opened the scroll and he found where it was written. The spirit of the Lord is upon me. He didn't just, it wasn't haphazardly, it wasn't something that he just opened it and said, okay, I'm going to read whatever comes out. He strategically looked for it and he found it. It wasn't a coincidence, it was just not opening the Bible you're reading and say whatever he found. This is a carefully considered personal declaration, a statement of intent. He said, this is when the ministry is going to start. This is when your salvation is going to come. This is what Isaiah was talking about. I'm the one who Isaiah was speaking about in this book. 
there's a carefully considered declaration, declaration of statement of intent. Andrew Moore had a show. It was a, an eight-episode show, and he was trying to cram, you know, in eight episodes, he was trying to cram the most importance in, 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 in the world's history. And, you know, you can look at all those eight episodes, and, and you know that this passage, this passage, this moment should be in there, but it's not. This is the most iconic moment in history of man. This is the beginning of why me and you are here and have a salvation so great. And I'm going to speak about how terrible Pedro is and how I don't deserve God's grace. How I woke up today and deserve hell. And if we're honest and if we're transparent, then we think the same. There's no doubt that Jesus stands irresistibly at the very center of human history. And now this is a moment for good, bad. His followers have shaped the history over the last 2,000 years. Look at this, man. You know, we got people who are enjoying and serving Jesus. It's been a long time. We got, you know... I don't have Jordans on, but I'm saying we have, with this, this is 2018, and people are still serving Jesus because of that moment, because of that time, because of that, that, that beginning. You know, all these leaders and all these political leaders, they had great runs, two terms, and then they're forgotten. I mean, some things that they say are not forgotten and never remember, but not like this. This was iconic. This was, and now, this moment where when he makes his declaration or his mission, I want to emphasize the divine origin of Jesus' mission. It's divine. It's something that, that's why when he did it and then he sat down, all the eyes were upon him. Everybody just looked at him. But you look at what they said. They said, because the people that were there, they grew up with him. Some of them got married. You know, they had children. And they were there. And they looked and they said, yo, Ain't that Jesus's, I mean, Joseph's son, the carpenter? Because they seen him growing up, and they grew up with him, but they was like, ain't this some regular man? Ain't this, what, what, what is happening? But there's surely something that's happening inside him, because when he said these words, like something different happened. This was the beginning. This is when, when he said that the power of the Lord went on him. I want you guys to understand what happened in this moment. Verse 14, it is, it's, in, it's in the power of the Spirit that he went to Galilee. In verse 18, it's the Spirit of the Lord is upon me. Again in 18, he said, the Spirit has anointed me. He has empowered me for this mission. Jesus was not self-appointed or self-governing. He was sent by God the Father and empowered by the Holy Spirit to do the work of God the Son. And I know if you can't wrap your hands, and, 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 and they wanted me to flesh this out just because, you know, sometimes we say God the Father, God the Son, God the Spirit, and you say three and one, and there's a triune God, and that's what the Trinity is about. They don't say Trinity in the Bible, but they talk about a triune. They, call, they talk about the Godhead. It's three and one, right? So then Jesus was there. His Father was telling him, and the Spirit, and people, you know, will get confused on that. Don't get confused about that. Or if you are confused about that, later on we'll, we'll, we'll speak and we'll discuss that a little more. I want you to focus on what's happening here with God the Son as he came. Amen? Amen. 
And I'm doing things a little bit differently because I have to go through this because I really, I really want us to get this. I don't want, us, I don't want this to bypass what we want to do here. What we need to see is the sheer magnitude of the claim that fell so easily off the lips of Jesus as, as he takes the words of Isaiah and applies them to himself. Applying them to himself. He said, this is, this, is, this is what's happening. What's happening in Isaiah that the Lord and the Spirit of the Lord is upon me because people will come and open those things and they would read and it would be so like, I don't know if it was boring, but they would just continue to read and there was no, there was no power to it. There was just a ritual. It was just a, a ritual. But when Jesus said it, and he said it so fluidly, he might as well not have even looked at it. There are three main sections in Isaiah, in the book of Isaiah, in which God is going to do his work. And it features a key individual God, that God is going to do a work. The first section of God's, is God's anointing king where, where he's told that the spirit will be upon him, that he'll be called mighty God, that the increase of his kingdom will be, there will be no end. That's the first. If you look in Isaiah, there's three sections, and it talks about a king that'll have a kingdom, and his kingdom will have no end. It's crazy, right? Yeah, man, the Bible, read it. Forget about, um, um, I don't know what you're watching, but this here, this is like, yo, there's, there's, there's stuff in here that, 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 I think the Sopranos was made from the Bible, but they don't say anything. Read the Bible. Second big section is God-anointed servant. We're told that the Spirit will be upon him and he will die to achieve salvation for God's people. As the Lord lays on him the iniquities of us all. Let me camp out there real quick. I'm pretty, I'm, I'm, a, I'm not that heavy. I'm 190 pounds. I need, to, I need to lose weight. I need to lose 15 pounds BMI, body mass index. Anyway. Grace was able to, 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 to carry me out of, that, out of that situation. But imagine having the weight of all of us right here. Right now, if, 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 if everyone jumped on my back or jumped on George's back, imagine that weight. My sins alone will weigh you down. They'll bury you. They'll crush you. They'll destroy you. It'll be like falling from, um, <laughs> yeah. So imagine all the, he said that he carried the iniquities of us all. I just want to, I want to impress upon you, I want to impress upon you that part. My iniquities, your iniquities, all of our iniquities were placed on him. And he was sacrificed for me and for you. The third big section is God's anointed warrior. We're told that the spirit will empower him to crush all of God's enemies, and to bring final salvation to all of God's people. Yo, when he comes back, though, let me tell you something. I want to say something. I want to share something because everybody sees Jesus, and they got him on the cross. And he's like, you know, he's carrying the cross. Simon Serene, come and help me, you know. And he's like, he looks weak, and he makes himself weak. And nobody killed him. He gave himself for us, by the way. Nobody murdered Jesus. But they say he's going to come, and he's going to come like a warrior. You know, like a warrior. And people don't like tattoos. He's going to have a tattoo. Broke but I got it again. I got it. I'm back. I'm back. I'm back. He's going to come. He's going to have a tattoo. See how I got excited? I think I need to get a tattoo. 
I need to get a tattoo, right? I don't have any. I don't have any tattoos. But he's going to come and he's going to have a tattoo. He's going to stay true and faithful. And he's going to abolish. He's going he's gonna, to he's gonna murder everybody. He's going to murder all the enemies. I know you guys like that. You guys like that because we like action. I love that. That he's going to come and do that. And that's the end of the book, man. We win. We win. We win. Unfortunately, we have to battle with the iniquities of today. God's enemies to bring final salvation to all of God's people. See, these three figures really, they're they're really not three. They're all one person, one spirit-filled warrior, servant, king, who will be Lord of all, conquering and all, and make salvation available to us all. You know, in 2004, I accepted Jesus Christ in 1994, and I believe that when I said that, when I said that prayer, and it's a prayer. I believe that I had a heart condition at that time. And, 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 I, and, and, and I believe that, 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 I, that I said, I said, Jesus, yes, I want you. I want to come under your lordship. And I want you to, you know, to guide me, lead me, show me to the men and women that can help me. But since 1994 to 2004, I kept relapsing and I kept, you know, stumbling forward. And, and, and I like, couldn't get it, and, but, but people on the outside, but ain't you with Jesus? What's happening? Because they thought that being with Jesus was doing moral things and being good and being good and, 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 and not, not messing up again. And I'm here to tell you no. I'm here to tell you that you're totally incapable, that Pedro's totally incapable of doing anything without Christ, and we will be until the end, until he comes or until we see him. So it wasn't until 2004 Right in 2004, where I was introduced to some 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 some, some specialist. I need just I needed a specialist that that specialized in Jesus because he's the specialist. But I needed some people to tell me what was was because I had an iniquity and I had an infirmity. And Jesus took all of our sins to the cross on Calvary. It says that also in Isaiah, by His stripes we have been healed. But it wasn't until that that I got the understanding and began to understand. And I know I said that another time, that salvation, I, I can't begin to understand it. And another theologian chastised me, and I want to I wanna push back and say that. I, I, sometimes in my mind, not that I don't understand, I can't grasp how someone can, can, can send their son and then I can receive a salvation so great. That's what I meant. And that's what I mean. And maybe you're in the same boat and you'd be like, wow, this is, this is awesome. This is incredible. And so it was until 2004, and, 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 and then now it's 2018, and 14 years have passed, and ask Pedro, Pedro, so how's, how's it going? Have you been good from 2014? I was able to address one infirmity that, that kept me going and, 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 and robbing and stealing and killing, and Jesus healed me from that. He lifted that obsession, so I know he could do it with anything and everything that's in my life. Amen? Because if he got us clean, he can do anything. If he stopped us from using drugs, he can do anything. I think there was a moment in my life when I, when I had a level of surrender with Jesus, and I said, here, take this. And I think the problem is that sometimes we don't want to give Jesus some things. But that will probably be a sermon for another day. One spirit-filled warrior serving king who will be Lord of all, conquer all, and make salvation available to us all. And that's the one who was speaking these words back in Isaiah 61, 
in the original content. And, 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 and this was, I, I'm glad that I, that I chose this because um, I have I, I had, I, I, I'm, when, we, when I preach this, I'm preaching to myself, and I'll tell you, this is how I used to think, and sometimes still think. And now here comes the son of a carpenter, and he stands up in a local village church, and he says, I am the one, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me. He has anointed me. That's where I, I said, I said it before, Jesus just drops the mic. And I want to start telling you, I got a, um, he was sent by God to proclaim. Notice with me three times as God proclaims the message or the good news. In verse 18, to proclaim good news to the poor. In verse 18, again, to proclaim liberty to the captives. In verse 19, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Verse 20, every eye is fixed upon him. Let's look at proclaim. You see what Jesus came? Because there's going to be some, some three. The, Lord, the, 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 the spirit of the Lord is upon me, and then he comes to proclaim. So let's look at that real quick, because I don't want to. I almost did it. I make an error, because he's, he's more of a, he would have been flying all over here, Pastor Raymond. I mean, I try, but I'm, um, and I want you to just focus on this, to proclaim the good news to the poor. But watch this. To proclaim good news, salvation to the poor. But it doesn't have anything to do with a social condition. It doesn't have anything to do that they don't have money. It doesn't have anything to do that they're poor. Right? To proclaim liberty to the captives, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor, and to a certain degree, because Israel, beloved, they did, Babylon did take them, and they did take them captive. But as we go on further, I'm going to show you a little bit about what that looks like and, and, and how that, and, and we're going to flesh out the exile in which they went. How many of us were exiled in the past? I was. But in verse 21, Jesus takes the attention off the visible and says, today this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. In verse 20, he says, in this verse, every eye is fixed upon him. You notice that when he says this, every eye is fixed upon him, and then quickly in 21, he says, no, don't look at me. Don't look at the miracles I'm doing. Don't look at who I'm healing. It's because of hearing this. What you've heard today is what's going to bring you the salvation. Not by what I do, because sometimes we're fixed on what we see, y'all. Sometimes we're fixed on the miracles, and you know what I mean? Worship was awesome, yo. Yo, that message was great. But the real content of what Jesus is saying, and how he's saying it, and why he's saying it, and who he's saying it to. You know who he's saying it to right now? To me and to you. Me first, then you. If we're receptive, if we're transparent. He says it's fulfilled now today as you hear me, because me preach, because that's what God the Father has sent me to do. God the Father sent Jesus to preach the good news. Pastor Raymond is right. That is the first and foremost agenda and priority. When he started it, that's what he said. I'm going to preach the good news. That's the only thing that's going to bring you salvation. It's not grits and cheese. It's not clothes. It's not. And those things, and I'm not saying that don't help people. What I'm saying, the importance here is the salvation of Jesus Christ. I see a couple of my people that we do those things for. This is the most important thing that we want from you right here, that you 
look at Jesus and say, yes, we recognize your lordship and we're coming unto you and we'll see you again. That is what we want to do and that's what Jesus wants to do and I believe that that's what Recovery House of Worship wants to do. If you want to do that, say amen. amen. There goes that unison thing I was telling you about. Thomas Goodwin was a Puritan preacher who had a unique ability to, to take complex things and make them very simple. At the age 12, um, he dominated Hebrew and Greek and he went off to college. He must have been a nightmare in his house. And he says something very simple. He said, God had only one son, and he made him a preacher. I'll read that again. He said that God had only one son, and he made him a preacher. Jesus was sent by God to proclaim salvation to sinners. Many theological movements would take the scripture and take it totally, that scripture that I just read, the one that, um, that, that sandwich in between the scrolling when he opens it, and then, you know, the Lord, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me to proclaim to the poor and the captives and all that, and they take that, and they thought that the real sins of the world are poverty and social injustice. I fell into that category, too, because I said, listen, this can't happen, and it moves me when I see that. It moves, George, it moves many of us when we see conditions like that. Because we feel, right, Vic, it's not right. They need to eat bacon and eggs too. And I totally agree with that. Always have to put food in one of my sermons because that's just the way it's supposed to be. <laughs> but social injustice and, and poverty, social injustice and poverty, they thought, you know, they, there was a thing and that's what they thought it was. And that Jesus wants the church to liberate the poor and the oppressed principally by the means of social activism. More typically in our church, in this circle right here, we have great programs that are going on right now. Circles, peoples have sold Jesus that sets out two key priorities for his ministry. Mainly, right, the salvation of sinners on the one hand and the relief of physical suffering on the other. And I think that we do that. No, that's what, that's what, that's what people think. And that's what this church, I think, sometimes, oh, I don't want to say, let me go back. I sometimes fall into this category that I think it's, um, if I address the physical suffering, then I'll address the salvation. No! It's the salvation. The salvation. Mainly the salvations of sinners on the one hand and the relief of physical suffering on the other hand. And therefore, in the same way that a butterfly has two wings, in the same way that a pair of scissors has two blades that work in unison, clearly, we think that that's the way it's supposed to be hand in hand, and I've been conditioned and trained to think that, or I think that that's, that's, that's in my makeup, and that's the way I think. Clearly, if we think that, it will shape the, the life of the church and the direction of the church, and it already has. I want to look fairly closely at this scripture. It's vital that we get this right. We want to be sure what Jesus is saying actually saying, rather than what we think the scripture might be saying. We have some people here on Thursday, we have a group that um, they, they, they really dive in, they're trying to dig deep in. As a matter of fact, Tuesday in that room, don't even, don't even, don't even forget I said that because if you go in there, you got to dig, you got to work, you got to study. I mean, it's a lot of work. But Tuesday, there's some deacons and there's some, there's some leaders in there that are really digging deep and are fleshing these type of things out. We want to be sure, not, not what we think Jesus is saying, but what he's actually saying. 
We're going to ask two questions to get to the end. For whom did Jesus come? The answer to this question is in these, in these verses 18 and 19. To preach to the poor, the captive, the blind, the oppressed. We need to know and be aware that these labels are not actually to someone social status, but their actual spiritual condition, like we forementioned. It's a spiritual condition that they were in. And I'm going to let you know now, it's because the background to these verses lie in the exile. And I'll explain that, and I'm going to try to flesh that out a little bit better. Pastor Gus comes over here, he has a chair, he has like a board and stuff like that. I'm not like that. I'm not cool like that. What I'm going to try, I'm going to try so you guys can, can, can understand what this verse is speaking and who it's speaking to and why it's saying what it's saying. When God first saved his people, he gave them a land of their very own. Right in the Old Testament, right in the Old Testament, that was the Exodus. You know, I know you guys, if, if, you didn't read the, if you didn't read the book, I know you've seen the movie, Prince of Egypt, and everybody came out. And he said this, God said, as long as you obey me, you can stay in this land. But if you reject me, I will drive you out from it. Eventually, sure enough, Israel routinely rejected God's word. And God raised up the Babylonians. God's people were defeated, enslaved, and carried off into exile in Babylon. Importantly, Isaiah speaks into that context, and it's into that context that Isaiah speaks into. He took them into the exile. And I'm going to tell you, I'm going to, now we're going to get to the part where, where, where Israel starts to speak on how they feel. And watch what they say. We can go to Isaiah and see that the poor, and not the materially poor, of many, many nations, but God's people who are poor because of their sin, because of God's judgment upon them. The captives are not criminals put in jail unjustly, like, and I'll tell you, we're talking about jail, or we're talking about jail, I'm talking about prison. I was, in, I was in this place called Gladiator School. Trust me, I, I did not want to be there. I, I care for no one to get a scholarship to this place. This is the place where my son is, and, and, and he did something you know, to, to, to merit where he is, right? That's not what God is talking about. He's not talking about that type of prison. He's not talking about Rikers Island. He's not talking about Elmira. He's talking about something different. The captives are not criminals put in jail, but it's God's people captive in Babylon because of sin. The blind, not physically blind. In Isaiah 59, and you don't have to get it, but I have it right here, 59 verses 9 to 12. God's people in exile are finally admitting their sin. Israel says, we hope for light and behold darkness. For brightness, but we walk in gloom. We grope the wool like the blind. We grope like those who have no eyes to see. We hope for justice, but there is none. For salvation, but it's, for, it's far from us. For our transgressions are multiplied before you. Our sins testify against us. They're saying they're our blind nation, not physically, but spiritually. Amen? You want me to, I want to read, did everyone get that? Let me read that again. God's people in exile are finally admitting their sin. Israel says we hope for light and behold darkness for brightness, but we walk in gloom. We grope for the wool like the blind. We grope like those who have no eyes to see, but there is none. For salvation, but it's, from us, it's far from us. For our transgressions are multiplied before you. Our sins testify against us. They're saying they are a blind nation, not physically, but spiritually. Finally, the oppressed. 
a technical Bible word used back in Deuteronomy as he first warned God's people about the exile. If you obey me, I will bless you. If you disobey me, you shall be only oppressed and crushed continually. So can you see the target audience of Jesus' proclamation? He's not coming for the captive, poor, and socially oppressed. Rather, he is, a, he is announcing that he was sent to preach to the poor, enslaved, blind sinners who, stared, who stand under God's judgment and desperately need to be rescued. Rather, he is announcing that he, came, he was sent to preach to the poor, enslaved, blind sinners who stand under God's judgment and desperately need to be rescued. There's a parable of the tax collector and the Pharisee. The Pharisee says, I'm glad I'm not like them. I read my Bible, I tithe, I work in the soup kitchen, I do the pantry. doesn't say that, I'm just paraphrasing. This is what, this, I'm the Pharisee. I'm saying what I'm saying, right? I'm the Pharisee. I do all these things. Is equivalent to the man who goes to the doctor and says, Doc, I'm, I'm not sick. I'm just coming in here to tell you there's a whole host of people in that audience that are desperately sick, but I have nothing. I just figured you'd get some good news for a change. All the while having a golf, size, a golf ball sized lump on his brain. Dreadfully sick. The other character was a tax collector. The lowest of the low, the sort of person who has no place in church. And he knew it. He went off to the side and simply said, God, be merciful to me. I'm a sinner. I'm not worthy. Some Bible says that he beat his chest and he looked down. He didn't even look up to heaven. Jesus says, that's who I came for. The reality is that we're like the tax collector sometimes. Left to ourselves, to our own devices, we're not just a little bit in the red before God. We're bankrupt totally. We're not God. We're not good people who occasionally do bad things. We choose to because we choose to. Right? I'm a person who's so broken inside that um, I simply can't live consistently. Whether it was 2004. I mean, 94 to 2004, or 2004 to 2018, it's the same story, give or take a couple of changes. I can't. And if we're honest, neither can you, if you're honest. I mean, you don't have to be. Please, our maker, we're captive to sin. I'm by nature the object of God's wrath. I'm like the tax collector. I, I, I find admitting this out loud is an awful thing to do. Father God, I don't treat my wife well. Sometimes I scream at my daughter, knowing that that could be detrimental to her future. I visited my son only to like punch in a quota and so that he could see me. I did it, and I'm coming quarterly. I'm fantastic at dressing up the outside. 
and I do it quite well. Thank you. <laughs> and I do that, and I believe that. And I'm a sinner who desperately needs saving, saving from Jesus. The good news is that Jesus Christ is the ultimate game changer. In his death and resurrection, he conjured, he conquered sin. The gospel of Jesus Christ doesn't only save us, but to transform us and empower us. There's some things that I've been empowered and that I have victory over. I'm not here just to preach gloom and doom about myself. There's some things that I have victory over. And I know some people have been praying for me. I feel it. They've been praying, but they've been, they haven't been praying in their power. They've been praying, Jesus, please have mercy on Pedro. Jesus, please, in your, in your death, your sacrifice. You said it in your word. We need to learn how to pray in your word. You said in Isaiah that our, that our transgressions and our, and our sins and our infirmities were taken to the cross. We're only saying what you say, Lord. Tell the Father. Transforms us, it can empower us too. To have godly self-control in our lives. We can't just lean on, oh, this is the way I am. Because I love to do that. God sent his son to proclaim the message of salvation to the sinful world that stands under his judgment. I want to ask you guys a question. Who are you? Was the question, right? Who am I? Who are you? Are you the tax collector? Are you the person that has come for a little while? I'm going to speak to two people, right? Are you the person that, that, that has come to church for a while and has gained some momentum? And yes, have done some good things. And yes, have, have gained some clean time. And yes, have, have, have done some stuff meriting you know, you know, not God's favor, but meriting saying, you know, you're doing pretty good. Or are you the person that says, man, I, 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 don't, I don't understand what you just said, Pedro. I'm going to need more, maybe a side talk. I'm going to need maybe some more conversation. Maybe I'm going to need someone who can better explain what you just said. If you're that person, we're here too. You know, Pastor Edwin told me, Pedro, don't worry about time. Don't worry about filling time. Just, 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 just preach the word because I'm, 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 I'm an old rookie, but I'm, I'm still learning, and I'm still learning about this salvation thing, and I'm still learning on how to and how, what does God want me to do. But it's not, it's not, it's not, it's not, it's not a pair of scissors. It's not a, it's not a, it's not, it's not two wings on a butterfly. It's the salvation of Jesus Christ. And through the salvation of Jesus Christ is where all of those other things are going to come. So I'm asking you this morning. Do you want to have Jesus' power? Do you want to have his grace and his mercy on your life? Do you want to have the empowerment that Jesus brings? Father God, we thank you, Lord, for the opportunity that you have here of all. We're, we're all family here according to the announcement that I made before, Father. Father God, I ask that you like what you said in Isaiah, Lord, that that, that declaration, that that declaration, that that... 
your mission when it was started, Father. That it continue with, with us, the church. God, I ask that you empower and you give transformation. See everyone here who's in this, who's in this congregation right now. 